You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Our guest today is a former ICU nurse turned entrepreneur, Tara Ray Bradford, and she's a personal brand expert. She's a podcast host and an international speaker. And you are just going to love this interview where we unpack what it took Tara to pay the price of leadership. She combines her expertise in reputation, risk management, and certification in high performance to help thought leaders and authors show up as themselves for maximum impact. Tara continues to be an advocate for health and wellness after her decade-long career as an ICU nurse and approaches it through the lens of the mind, body, and soul connection. And that's tremendous. Her podcast is titled Handle Everything, and it's dedicated to sharing this message. Tara, Thank you so much for agreeing to be my guest today. Thank you for having me on. Exciting. And for our guests out there listening, I connected with Tara. I love reading about how she's helping authors be their most authentic version of themselves. That's how I connected with Tara. She's working with one of our tremendous leadership authors right now. I'm sure about branding and getting the message out. And she actually got involved in the book production process and cover art. It's just been a wonderful working relationship thus far. So I met her and I'm looking at her website and all these things she's done. And I'm like, so Tara, again, we are here to really talk about the tougher side of leadership. A lot of our listeners out there have been through, uh, this isn't their first rodeo, and they know that leadership is a wonderful thing, but it's also, it's a really trying and gut-wrenching thing. And so my father wrote this little booklet. It's actually from a speech called The Price of Leadership, and it is one of his best-known speeches where he talks about if you are actually going to truly be defined as a leader and engaging in leadership, there's four things that you're going to have to be willing to pay the price for. And the first one of those that I'd like you to um, give us your thoughts and insights on is what he defines as loneliness. And nobody likes to be lonely, uh, but yet a lot of people say it's lonely at the top. Can you share with me through your expertise and as a leader, an entrepreneur, even as a nurse, what does loneliness mean for you? And maybe if you could share some words for any of our listeners out there that might be in a season of loneliness right now. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, I have chills listening to you say that because I've experienced loneliness in every chapter of my life and Mm. career. And so many memories just popped up. But I think the one thing that stands out the most is being afraid of being lonely. And I think loneliness, I read some statistics last year, maybe, that we're at an all-time 30-year high in loneliness across all people, all age groups. And it's the first time in history that young people are feeling just as lonely, if not more lonely than the elderly. Oh, wow. And typically when you study human development and the different stages that we go through as we age, it's generally people over 65 who are lonely because they're experiencing a lot of grief and loss and kind of approaching the end of their life and wondering what that is going to look like. And it's interesting that younger people are experiencing that now as well. And so as an entrepreneur, I think the shift for me in that fear of loneliness, I was always afraid in day-to-day life of going out to dinner by myself Mm -hmm. and having a table for one. I thought that was so embarrassing and I never wanted to do it (laughs) ever. Mm-hmm. until I moved to New York City. And when I moved to New York, I decided I was only going to be there for six months, which turned into four years. That's another story. But it was the first time in my life that I gave myself permission to do whatever I wanted to do. 
And I was 30 years old and I was like, oh my gosh, how come I've never asked myself what I want? (laughs) And so I moved to New York as my first little act of courage and bravery. I only knew two people in a city of over 8 million and that felt lonely. Even though you're surrounded by tons of people, I thought, oh my goodness, I don't have a support group. I don't have a community. I don't have friends. And I started reaching out to people and I started going to networking events alone. And that very first night in New York City, I took myself out to dinner and I was so tired that I didn't care so much that I was alone. I was like tired and hungry. So you had a purpose. I did. You were focused on that, not wondering what everybody else thought about you. Exactly. I was like, I just need to eat. I just drove from Maine to New York and I didn't have a plan for food. So I found a restaurant and I went in and I asked for a table and they said, how many? And I said one. And it was no big deal. They didn't react. They didn't judge me. They didn't make me feel guilty for taking up a whole table to myself when there's a line of people waiting outside. There was none of that. And I didn't bring a book or any like distractions. I just sat there and enjoyed my food and was present. And I looked around the restaurant to see if anybody else was staring at me and nobody was Mm -hmm. looking at me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, this whole time, this fear of loneliness has been making me not do things that actually make me feel more connected to people. Mm -hmm. I had a great conversation with the server and I felt Like I belonged there, even though I was sitting by myself. So for anyone listening who's feeling lonely and you're wondering, am I isolating myself? Am I preventing myself from getting out there and experiencing connecting with people? I would say there's a difference between loneliness and solitude. Mm, And Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Powerful. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Unpack that. Yeah. 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 What what would you say the difference is? Yeah. Right. If you can reframe it to instead of being lonely, I'm enjoying my solitude, my alone time. And for any parents listening, I'm not a parent, but I talk to a lot of parents when I'm working with them and they say, you know, I don't remember the last time I showered with the door closed. That's solitude, taking a shower with the door closed where you aren't being disturbed. Or I have a dog now. I can't go to the bathroom without the dog coming in with me. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) so we all need that alone time. And that's a gift to have that time to yourself, to reflect, to be with yourself. Quality time is one of the five love languages. And Mm -hmm. in order to receive that from others, we also have to give it to ourselves. Mm. And so spending that quality time alone is really significant. Well, that's a beautiful take on loneliness because especially for entrepreneurs, I mean, I was in big companies and I can remember we'd all go out, we'd do these big party, but I mean, happy hour, just always tons of people, tons of fun, work hard, play hard. And then you get on your own and you don't have like like the office. That's why we love the office because they're all together in this work family type thing. But then you get into this alone. But I love that you talked about it. You got out, you got to know yourself and you take yourself out. And solitude is a beautiful thing. And that's one of the greatest things I think with all this shutdown and stuff like that, I have been able to take the time to engage in a lot more of that. 
And I love the juxtaposition of loneliness versus solitude. And if you are out there on your own, don't let it keep you from getting out because you don't know who you're going to bump into. I mean, exactly. when we get back out there and I'm already back out there, I, I'm supporting local businesses as best I can, but people are hungry to get reconnected. And this is a wonderful opportunity to get out if you're comfortable and maintain all the rules, but just enjoy. Yes. And it was eating out alone that turned me into an entrepreneur. Really? Okay. I never would. Yeah. I never would have started a company if I wasn't eating out alone. So it really opened up doors to opportunities to meet people and cross paths with people that I wouldn't have normally met. And so I met someone while I was sitting there alone. He was eating alone. He was having the best day of his life. I was having the worst day of my life. Unbelievable. He sat down next to me beaming. It was like rays of sunshine coming out of his face. And I was over there with the dark cloud over my head and the rain pouring down and like slumped over. And I was thinking, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Don't talk to me. Because <laughs> I'm going to say something really negative and I don't want to be negative. I don't want anyone to know about my bad day. I just want to eat dinner and go home. But he started talking to me and he asked me some really interesting questions. And in two weeks, I was supposed to be moving, leaving New York and going to grad school. Mm -hmm. I was going to get another degree in nursing. The word entrepreneur was not even in my vocabulary. Me neither. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even know it was an option. I didn't know what I would sell. I had never sold anything in my life except for maybe in high school when I worked at the mall. (laughs) (laughs) And so he was asking me questions and he said, what do you do? And I said, I'm a nurse. And he asked me, what do I like to do? And then I lit up. The cloud went away. The rain stopped. And suddenly his light was shining on me. And I was like just basking in it, like getting into a warm car. And I don't know if anyone else likes that, but I love getting into a warm car that's been sitting out in the sun and just Mm -hmm. feeling the warmth. It's like a hug. And that's how I felt in that moment when he asked me, what do I like to do? And at the time I had a YouTube channel where I was just doing videos for fun and it was a creative outlet and people were sending me messages saying that my videos were helping them feel confident and that just felt good, but I wasn't making money on it and I didn't know that I could. Mm -hmm. And he said, you have something really special when you speak and other people take notes Mm. and they're learning from you. He said, people will pay for that. You just have to figure out what it is that you're saying Mm. that other people don't know yet and they need to learn it from you. And And I walked out of that bar and I was like, I'm starting a company. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Isn't that wild? And that's kind of, you know, my book that just came out, Spark, which you get an autograph copy for being on here. So as you know, I know, I know. So that conversation was that spark. You hadn't even considered that. And yet his words, when you said, what is it you, that you're saying that other people need to hear? And I would go to Jim Collins, good to great, and we'll pay to hear. You know what I'm saying? We have bills to pay. And I'm sure in New York City, you had plenty of bills. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that for whatever reason, people had probably said that to you before, 
But for whatever reason, in that moment, because you put yourself out there, you were open to receive that message. Ooh, that's so exciting. And he was alone too. We were both alone Uh, eating dinner by ourselves. Yes, because then you can talk to other people. Because when you're with a group, or God forbid, a date, and then you go to talk to somebody else, I mean, it's like, (laughs) what? No, I love that because when you are alone, you have complete latitude to work the room, to converse, to not converse, to do whatever you want. Right. Wow. Okay. I love that. (laughs) So loneliness, you have a beautiful perspective. And you know, my dad, he never meant to be loneliness to be a bad thing. He just said, you know, you're going to experience it because you have to kind of go off on your own and craft what you want your future to look like. And only you can do that. You can have all these great people in the world, like this guy just dripped out the possibility to you, but you have to be the one that then does that. And is the fact that you didn't talk about grad school, is that what led you to believe that the grad school and nursing is not my number one passion? Explaining to me the thought process when he asked, what do you like to do? Did you talk about your YouTube channel or did you talk about your current role? I talked about my YouTube channel. Okay. So there you have it. Yeah. Your passion popped out. And I loved being a nurse. I loved helping people. It's different. And, you know, the thing that led me away from nursing, I was in trauma critical care. So people in car accidents, people who had been run over by tractors, stuck in avalanches, like the worst things that could ever happen to someone that you wouldn't wish on anybody. Mm -hmm. And I got to meet those people. And it was interesting because I was in my early 20s and I thought my job was to save lives. I had so much purpose. I was like, I'm going to save everyone and I'm going to save them when they're just about to take their last breath and then they're going to come back to life. I thought, that's my role. And then the more I did it, the more I thought, I'm seeing patterns in behavior And I wonder if I'm meeting these people too late because not all of them are surviving. And so I saw that as a reflection on myself, like I'm not being successful if I'm meeting them too late. I need to go meet these people when they're thriving because that's the thing that everyone remembers at the near-death experience. They're like, this one decision I should have done differently. Mm -hmm. It was always a decision. Mm -hmm. I should have decided differently. And it was always at the top of their game. And I was like, how can I meet people at the top of their game and help them make the decisions that are in alignment with the path that's going to prevent the bad thing from happening, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but still wake them up to this new, like the colors are more vibrant and I have all this purpose in life. Because I got thank you cards from people afterwards, even if they could never walk again, even if they had lost their loved one and they wished that they had more time with that person, I still got thank you cards. And that was the second thing that kind of woke me up. And I was like, wait a minute, if I'm getting thank you cards for not doing my job as well as I thought I should be doing it, then something's happening here. Right, right. And for our listeners out there, what Tara has so beautifully illustrated too, and I found this too, I used to always think, well, I need to work on my weaknesses and whatever I'm not good at. No, no, no. Strength Finders is all about the stuff that comes naturally to you. You probably were not even aware of that. Everybody else picked up on it. That's your innate great purpose that you should parlay into a bigger portion of your dreams. But had you not been a nurse in something so critical and tender and scary as dealing with people when they might cross over, you may not have seen the power of that. 
you know, it may have got lost in the noise. Like I said, I've had five different careers. I loved them all. People are like, well, did you not like it? I loved them all, but I did walk away from them that when there was a time where I went, okay, that season is ending. You get the call from, and you get the call to, and it sounds like you kind of had that. And then that gentleman was just a voice from above that spoke a little bit of prophecy into you and you followed. And it took six years to have that experience. It wasn't like I had these ideas like, oh, I'm getting thank you cards. That's interesting. And then I just met this guy who put me on my path. Right. It was like in a movie. Oh, (laughs) And, and for our listeners, this is critical too. Timing. Not of time, but of timing. And the beauty is when you realize that even though it's frustrating, things get lined up exactly when they're supposed to get lined up. Because if you would have come to this awareness sooner, you wouldn't have had the resources or the experience or the confidence or whatever else you needed to get there. So ideas sometimes take years to culminate and come to fruition before they even sprout. You know, they got to germinate. Yes, absolutely. I love it. I love it, Tara. Okay. So, wow, we only got through loneliness. Okay. But that was- I know. (laughs) Thank you. No, thank you for explaining that because that just fascinates people. Your take on that and how you came out of your loneliness was born this huge connection to humanity. So that's, that's beautiful. Okay. Next is weariness. Okay. And my dad talks about, you know, it's tough and there's different kind of weariness. I mean, when you're on the scent of something that you love, you're relentless and it's wonderful, but you know, we have to try a lot of things and a lot of things don't work and it's tiring and it's frustrating and you kick yourself for why did I think this is going to work? How do you stay refreshed doing what you do and how do you handle weariness? And can you share with our listeners something that you, maybe a time when you really were weary and and what you did about it? Yes, I can. And I think of weariness, when I was a nurse, I was so type A. In the ICU, there's tons of wires and cords and everything. If I could have had tie wraps, they would have all been wrapped up and organized and they were all labeled. They all had their spot. Everything had to be a certain way. I could hear a pin drop and I would be like, what's that? I could hear people breathing from the hallway. So I was very tuned in to things being a certain way. Mm -hmm. And when I left nursing, it opened me up to being a little bit more laid back. Mm -hmm. So for any type A people listening, it's possible to be laid back. I promise you. And when I started being a little more laid back, the first step for me was going a different way to work every day because I was still working as a nurse, as a temp nurse in New York. That was my first job there. And I started walking to work and paying attention to which direction the lights were turning green, where I could walk. And I just went whichever way the lights turned. Because when you're walking, you don't have to go the correct way on the road. You're on the sidewalk. You can go whichever way you want. Mm -hmm. And I started carrying my camera and taking pictures of the city And really being present with my commute and leaving a little bit early and enjoying the time and seeing new things. And I just let myself be guided. Mm, Love that. Yeah. And it was incredible. I started my day instead of, you know, the old me would be driving to work, mad at the red lights, hitting every red light and trying to get there as fast as possible. So I get the best parking spot. (laughs) And just super stressed out. And so this started my day in a really relaxing way and a way that really lit me up. Mm -hmm. And the weariness started when I started my company because I was still working a full-time job during the day. And for part of it, I was working at night and trying to build my business during the day and wondering, when am I going to sleep? And 
that part was challenging, but it was so worth it. I didn't want to sleep because I was so excited about it. And I remember sleeping like four hours a night and thinking, this is awesome. I have such purpose and reason to jump out of bed every morning. And I'm so excited about my company. And that caught up to me. Mm -hmm. And I thought, something's got to give. I either have to give up on the company or I have to quit my job. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't ready for either one of those things to happen. And I ended up quitting my job with no savings account. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and like 30 days of runway, I was like, I have 30 days, I can pay my bills and then I have to make money. Mm -hmm. I have to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And during that time, a lot of things happened, but I ended up launching a program that sold out in 24 hours. At the 11th hour, that's always how it happens. I just like rescued myself and pulled through. And that program was a success for the next 18 months. And I kept launching it and growing the program and people were loving it. But I remember I didn't take a vacation mm -hmm. during that time. I was so focused on building and growing and... I went on vacation while I was teaching this program. And I remember I was at the Waldorf Astoria in Boca Raton, which sounds like very glamorous, like it should be a really nice vacation. And I was sitting in the hotel lobby teaching my two-hour class, and I felt so sick. And nobody in the class knew I was sick because mm -hmm. I had put up this wall. I was like, I'm, I have to show up. I have to teach this. I have to bring the energy. I taught the class. As soon as I turned off, I was on Zoom, turned off the Zoom room, I collapsed mm -hmm. in the lobby. I had this really sharp pain in my side. And I'm a nurse, and I've never gone to the hospital. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, things have happened, and I'm like, oh, I should go to the hospital, but I'm fine. But this was, it took me out. I couldn't stand up and breathing hurt. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it was, but I ended up having someone at the hotel call an ambulance and I went straight from teaching my class to the hospital and I spent the rest of my vacation in the emergency room. Mm -hmm. It was just a weekend. So they told me they didn't know what was going on. They couldn't figure out what was happening. And I did a CAT scan. And they found inflammation. So inflammation is related to stress. And the stress hormones in your body release neurotransmitters and chemicals that cause inflammation. And inflammation leads to chronic health problems and pain and all of these things. And I ended up flying back to New York and seeing a specialist and trying to figure out what was going on. And that was the moment where I thought, I need to have better balance. Mm -hmm. yep. And I was like, is it my diet? Because it was inflammation in my colon. Right. And so I was like, maybe it's nutrition. And I tried all of these things for like a year. And I realized that it was, it was stress. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, I can even remember my dad and he, like you at during that time, he'd sleep like four hours. I mean, people would call the office at two in the morning from all over the world and he'd answer. He just, that's how he wrote. But I remember when I was in high school seeing him and he actually had a chronic fatigue syndrome. 
And he was just relentless. And we are human. It's important to, you got to, even if it's good, you have to take care of yourself. And you, especially at that young age, me, as I get older, I'm like, okay, I need more downtime. But even at a younger age, when you're building, take care of yourself. And Tara, how long were you running the two jobs together? Because this is important for our entrepreneurs listening to here too. Yeah, I've worked both jobs for a year and a half. Okay. Before that, I was doing my YouTube channel and working a job for probably a year and a half as well. Okay. And that felt like the same amount of work as starting a company because I was learning to edit the videos and putting together the content and researching and all of that. But it didn't feel like work at the time because I wasn't getting paid maybe. (laughs) I was so excited. Yeah. My best speeches are ones for free. Otherwise it's work. Yeah, it's nice to get paid. <laughs> but when it's free, I'm just like, ah, you know, you get, you get to see a different thing. Cause yeah. it's like, but I think that's good for our listeners too. I did that too when I came back to run the company here. I was working in DC half the week as in defense contracting and then half the week here. And I did that for a year because I wanted to do both. God allowed me to do both. And then at the end, yeah, I had to pick one. And I tell people, if you're making a transition, if you can do the blend, do both yeah. because there's benefits. There's salary. It's not all bad. You're not dousing your entrepreneurial flame. It's just, it's a very practical, tactical way to transition to the next career. So I just want to share that because there's a lot of people out there that probably think you got to go all or nothing. You got to leap and let your wings. And a lot of the leadership material says, don't do that. Don't you go off and do something else until you at least are sure you have some means of something coming in. You know. Absolutely. And for anyone listening who's in that transition, what I recommend and what I did was I negotiated with my employer to allow me to work half time. So I worked 20 hours a week instead of 40 for a period of time until they could hire someone else. And that gave me more time to work on my business. So it wasn't like a cold turkey, quit your job and pull the, you know, pull. Like TV, your movie. Yeah. Yeah. And And the other thing I would say about weariness for anybody who is feeling this, think about your work as water coming out of a water hose. And how do you make the water come out faster? You kink the hose. If you have to do something that kinks the hose, you're interfering with timing like we talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. But also when you let go of the kink in the hose, what happens to the water? Mm -hmm. It comes out slower than before. Mm -hmm. So what I was doing was trying to kink the hose and get things to happen faster And then it forced me to slow down. And I spent that year trying to figure out what I did wrong (laughs) and so that I could learn from it and not have it happen again. And now that's something that I teach. I'm also a coach. So I help people with that as well. Absolutely. And I love that you lived through it because now you know. Because when you hear other people talk about it, because, you know, we're tough as nails, but then I've had some health issues and I'm like, whoa, okay, I get it. I'm not immortal. I'm not Wonder Woman. You know, I got to take everything in stride. So awesome, Tara. I love it. Okay. So the next one he talked about was abandonment. He would always say to people, hey, listen, we need to stop thinking about what we like and want to think about in favor of what we ought and need to think about. So he really was very diligent about, hey, you got to put on a whole different mindset of focus when you get into a leadership role. So talk to me about what does abandonment mean to you? And you've talked about how you've rehoned your focus, which is really kind of what I think his point was about. But talk to me about some of the things you realized you had to abandon on your old plate so you could pick something up on the new plate. Yeah, I think a lot of it is mindset. But even 
going back to childhood and being afraid of abandonment, if you were hospitalized as a child, if you had any fear that your parents might not come home mm-hmm. or anything like that when you were younger, that plays out in your adult relationships as well. And so one of the things that I see holding people back is the fear of what everyone else is going to think. Am I going to be kicked out of the tribe? Which is a really primitive reflex in our brains. Back when we were cavemen, being in a tribe was really significant and being accepted in that tribe. If you were kicked out of the tribe, your life was in danger. Mm -hmm. And our brain, the part of our brain that fears that is still the same as it was when we were cavemen. It hasn't evolved past that reflexive, oh my gosh, I need to be in survival mode. Mm -hmm. And staying in survival mode and listening to that part of your brain instead of using your higher level thinking to work through those things and really evaluate and ask questions about why am I afraid? Why am I not doing this? What is holding me back? Because most of us aren't being chased by a bear. (laughs) Unless you have a big dog, unless you adopt a dog. Yeah. So really exploring that question around abandonment and what it means to you is so, so important. And I think when we start an entrepreneurial venture, our family, if they're not entrepreneurs or our friends, they don't understand. And they say things like, why would you leave that stable, cushy job with the benefits? And the retirement. Yeah. Yeah. To go do something that's so risky, that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those things that people say, they think they're helping, but they're planting seeds of doubt in your subconscious and you start doubting yourself. And then you fall into the isolation of, oh, I'm not going to tell anybody I have to protect this. I can't tell anyone what I'm doing because nobody believes in me. And then you stop believing in yourself and it holds you back. And that's when you start doing the things that cause the weariness. You create distractions. Mm -hmm. You're like, I need to be more credible. I need to be more of an expert. I need another degree. I need another certification. I need more media coverage. I need that external validation to justify why I'm doing what I'm doing. And it's kind of this vicious cycle where then you're afraid to put yourself out there and be yourself, which I know is the worst advice ever. It's like, just be yourself. It's so hard to read your own label from inside the bottle. And so once you figure out how to be more self-aware, how to learn about yourself, how to validate your own ideas, and how to have that confidence where you believe in what you're doing, that's when you can shift from worrying that everyone's going to abandon you to becoming a magnet for opportunities and people and all of these things, just like me meeting that guy at the bar who changed my career trajectory. I had to make myself a magnet for that opportunity because if I was in a fear of abandonment, that wouldn't have shown up. I wouldn't have been open to it. Right. And I love that. And I just can't emphasize enough to our listeners, Tara, you, you said it so beautifully. I know we have to let stuff go, but when you finally do, it is so freeing and liberating. 
Listen, it took me decades. And you open yourself up, like you said, to the right things coming into your life because now, before it was trying to come in, but it couldn't get through all the stuff. And it wasn't anybody else's fault. It's us. We just instinctively, like you said, it's just reptilian brain versus, you know, frontal cortex. We're thinking like this. And I love that you said we create these distractions. I hear people say, well, I can't do that. I need to get another certification. Why? You're creating just more busy work because you don't want to do this. Well, I got to wait until, um, you know, or somebody published book. Well, I got to let somebody else review it one less. Why? Why? Just put it out there. So man, I I just love how you and validating your own ideas. And not that you're not going to have other people push back or ask you tough questions or give you feedback, but you'll be able to answer them then because it's part of you. It's part of your conviction and you can't separate that. You can't be detracted because it's you. You can't walk away from your own soul and spirit. You just- And your answers will be less defensive. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I love that. That, That's a great insight. If somebody does get defensive, they might not be ready. They might not be all in with themselves. Thought through this. Beautiful. That's beautiful advice. Excellent. Okay. So the last one is vision. And my dad was very pragmatic, flunked out of school in the eighth grade, school of hard knocks, was not this incredible. You know, I think sometimes I think entrepreneurs and I'm like, I just didn't get that touch from the gods of that golden thing. But he's like, no, vision is just seeing what needs to be done and doing it. And Mm -hmm. so how do you get clarity for your vision or how do you hone your vision? Oh, that's a big question. (laughs) This was another chance meeting. I didn't know I had vision until someone told me. And this is another thing. You need to become a detective Mm. for who you are by listening to other people. And when you're defensive, you're not listening. Mm -hmm. I remember I met the CEO of a tech company in New York City And we met because we were both alumni of the same university. And this was how I was trying to meet friends and people, like finding all the groups that I could be affiliated with. And I don't even remember what I said. I just casually threw something out there in conversation. And he said, well, that's what people like us do. And I was like, people like us, you're this visionary CEO and I'm a nurse. I said, I'm just a nurse. That's how different my life was back then. Instead of getting defensive and being like, well, we're not the same. I said, that's interesting. What do you mean people like us? And he said, visionary entrepreneurs. And my head exploded. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. I was like, well, how do you define visionary entrepreneur? I couldn't see it in myself. (laughs) He said, people who find creative solutions to their problems. Uh, And I was like, oh yeah, I do that. Okay, I guess it is true. And so being visionary, you can have your big vision of like for me, wanting to save the world. (laughs) Yeah. You can be visionary as you're problem solving. And instead of being the problem solver, being the creative person who opens up opportunities for other people to see solutions. Mm -hmm. Because before he said that, and before when I was a nurse, I was the fixer. I would go in and do it myself. I'd be like, let me just do that for you. My mom couldn't figure out how to send an email back when email first started. And I was like, oh, let me just do it for you. What do you want to say? And I'll just type it. And then as I got older, I realized that that wasn't really helping. Mm. It's not helping if you do it for people because they're not getting to experience the transformation. And so if you want 
to help transform the lives of others. And I bet everyone listening, this is a podcast about tremendous leadership and authors and thought leadership. I bet you're writing your book or you have your idea that you're going to transform the lives of other people. Mm -hmm. And so the way that you do that is by showing them the way instead of doing it for them, putting them in your car and driving them the way that they need to go. And they need to see it for themselves. And that's another point where timing is so, so critical. Because if you would have told me I'm a visionary entrepreneur five years earlier, I would have told you you're crazy. And it would have set me back. Mm -hmm. So all of these things show up when you're ready to hear them, just as Tracy said. And they show up. They're meaningful. They mean something. And the meaning is what you attach to it. How are you going to make this meaningful for you? Because I'm sure that person who said that to me doesn't even remember saying that, but it changed my whole life. <laughs> Isn't that, I know. And I can remember people were like, what great advice have you got? And I'm just like, it was one or two people at certain times just saying things. And I was like, what? And I, I was listening to another gentleman on my podcast who had interviewed Dennis Waitley. And he intersected with him like 30 years older and Dennis Whaley looked at him and said something like, put that, whoa, just like you said with this guy at the restaurant. And my friend Eli never forgot it. And what, so 30 years later, he gets to interview him on his podcast and he's like, Dennis, I'm sure you don't remember this, but it was as real as if he had said it to him five seconds earlier. So I just love it. That's so beautiful. Yes. I have an example of that as well. You said chicken soup for the soul. I read all of the chicken soup books when I was a kid. I think they made me who I am today. They gave me these ideas and it's so incredible. And when I first started doing my videos back before I started my business, someone reached out to me from a PR firm, a friend from middle school. And he said, you, you sound kind of like Jack Canfield. And I thought, oh my gosh, you think I'm copying Jack Canfield. And this was, like I said, if you had told me this years prior, I wouldn't have believed you. Yeah, and you would have shut that down. Moment, yeah. yeah, in that moment, I stopped doing the videos for a while because I thought, people think I'm copying him. Oh, okay, yes. And so if you hear it at the wrong time and you're defensive or you're not secure in not who you insecure. are, right that's what could happen. You stop doing what you're supposed to do or what lights you up or something that's going to help other people. And I think having vision just means that you're growing as a person and you're being of service to others. You grow, you share, you grow, you share. Mm -hmm. And that's the ladder that I climb now. Before I was climbing the ladder to get promoted at work. Mm -hmm. Now it's how can I grow as a person and share that with others so they can grow with me and then grow again. And growth is not easy. It's growth happens when it's the most painful moments, like being in the emergency room in the hospital. But I grew a lot from that experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you're willing to go through the difficulties, the obstacles, sometimes the pain of growing and letting things go from the past and so that you can take off, When you let go of that baggage, you get lighter. Yes. Yes. 
That's a great, and people had always told me that, and I'm like, maybe for you, lady, but I'm, t- I'm here to tell you. I was the biggest naysayer. When you say transform, if people truly want to transform, you can only do that by growing, and no pain, no gain. I mean, it's just a fact of life, but it's good growth. It's growth with a purpose. It's not pain to rip you apart and hurt you. It's constructive growth. You know, it's deconstructive so that you can get built into the next greater version. But people have to get their heads wrapped around it because change is really difficult and we fight it like grim death, even though sometimes if we don't change, that's what we're facing is death. Right. And looking back, sometimes those periods before I grew were more painful than the growth itself. The reason I moved to New York was because I was getting out of a bad relationship. And that's why I move. <laughs> I break up or there was a divorce. I move to a whole nother like sometimes country. I'm like, I'm done. Boom. <laughs> and Friday. So I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so funny. I'm with you, sister. Yeah. And so people said, oh my gosh, that was so brave to go to New York. How scary. You've never lived in a city that big before. And you had to figure out the subway and you ate dinner alone. Like how scary is that? But what I said to them in the, that moment was, It was scarier to stay in the situation I was in Mm -hmm. than it was to not know what was next. I knew something had to be better. Right. And I didn't know what that was. And so that's the thing when you're evaluating whether or not it's worth it to feel the pain, to feel the, just the pressure of growth. Is it worse to stay committed to suffering in your current situation? Or is it better to commit to something different, to commit to love, to commit to being more of yourself, to commit to putting yourself out there and risking not being understood? And I think a good test that some people that'll come in duress, people come to me in duress is probably due to you. And they're like, I just can't take this anymore. And I'm like, okay, what are we going to do about it? And they're like, well, I just need to, they're still in the point of just fixating on it. And I'm like, well, what if a year from now you're in exactly the same place? They're like, there's just no way I can't even be alive. Well, then, then we got to figure out a, (laughs) we got to figure out a plan because I don't think you're going to be around either. You know, you're going to get sick, something bad. So I also want to bring up a point that you really hit on for the entrepreneurs out there, because I used to hear about this. Well, you gotta, you gotta lay this plan out and this goal and every purposeful you you pivot on purpose. And that's a beautiful thing, but I was never uh, earlier years mature enough. Like you said, I move like you did. If there's a pain threshold, I didn't fight or flight, but I would just say, I need to get out of this. I need to start afresh. And I think that's healthy, but I really was pivoting on pain. And so I let people know if you've done that, that's not entirely bad because I think a lot of times we poo poo that and like, well, don't run because you're just going to run into the next bad thing. But sometimes a blank slate is not a bad thing. And sometimes that's what has, it's cognitive dissonance. That pain is just going to drive you to do something different. And it may not be the most thought out or purposeful or goal oriented or leadership approved thing, but at least you're doing something. And so I just want to share that with the listeners. I like, I like that you brought that up. So not every decision the entrepreneur makes is just like brilliantly thought out. Sometimes it's just, it's your gut and you, you just know it's time to go. And, and I'll work this out when I get there. So thank you for being yes. transparent and sharing that. Absolutely. And that brings us full circle back to my nursing experience of what if I could meet these people when they're thriving? Those are the situations when people were running away from something They ended up taking that wrong turn that led them to the hospital bed. So if we could go back to those moments and change what they did, 
I would have told them to run towards what they want yes, instead of run away from what they don't want. And even though they ended up in the hospital, they said they wouldn't have changed anything because right. it woke them up. And that's so, the beauty of it. Yes. So it's not that you should walk around now being like, am I making the right decision? Am I going the right way? Because no matter which path you go on, you're going to come back to the path that you're meant to be on. Mm -hmm. It just depends on your pain tolerance pretty much. <laughs> if you can tolerate a lot of pain and keep kinking the hose and keep powering forward, you're, can. you're like eventually going to end up with more pain because it's trying to get your attention. Yeah. And the same thing in the hospital, people don't come to the emergency room until they're in pain. But then you ask them, when did the symptoms start? And they say, well, a year ago, I started having this cough, mm -hmm. but I could tolerate the cough or whatever it was. And so if we start tuning into our bodies and noticing those first signs, like when you're anxious, do you start pacing and you don't notice your pacing? Maybe you're on the phone, so you're distracted. But notice the next time you're on the phone and you start pacing and ask yourself, am I stressed out? And we can start tuning into those earlier signs of when it's a little bit of pain mm -hmm. that's making us, if you're pacing, your body is telling you like, we need to walk away from this thing, mm -hmm. but you can't get away from it because it's stress. Mm -hmm. And so just paying attention to what your body's doing. If you're on the edge of your seat, leaning forward, your body's telling you something, either you're leaning in and you want to be closer, you want to listen more, or you want to get up out of your seat because you want to get out of there. You're uncomfortable. So really checking with your body because it's going to tell you when you're in pain before it gets so bad that you have to do something about it. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Beautifully put. I love it, Tara. Well, listen, we have covered four huge chunks and you've given some just unbelievable insights for the leaders out there that are faced with this. And I love your perspective on all of this. I took, <laughs> even though I get a recording, I'm like, because I got to write it down. It helps me absorb it. But is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't yeah. covered? You know, the other thing I really like talking about that I see all the time when people are starting something new is they put a lot of pressure on themselves to be perfect the first time. Mm. You probably see this, Tracy, with editing books. And the first time they get their edits back and it, there's something on every page, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible writer. <laughs> and so I would challenge you to think about starting something and being bad at it. It takes repetition to get good at something. It takes doing something 60 times to create a new neural pathway. Mm -hmm. And so be committed to doing something at least 60 times before saying that you're bad at it. Mm -hmm. Love it. Beautiful. And I had heard sometimes 40 days to get the new synapse kind of wired in, but I like the 60 times. So keep a list of that. So the more you do it, then you can shorten that 40 days to maybe like, you know, two weeks kind of thing. Beautiful. And turn it into a game and prove yourself wrong. Like, yeah. I'm yeah. going to do this 60 times and prove I'm good at it. Yes, absolutely. I love that, Tara. Well, Tara, how can people get in touch with you and connect with you? What's the best way? The best way to connect is to go to my website, tararaybradford.com. And Ray is spelled R-A-E. And you can get on my email list. I send emails every Wednesday and keep in touch that way. 
Excellent. Excellent. Well, Tara, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a fun conversation. It was. I, I mean, I just love, I love that you let me just really go deep and understand when this happened because I love people's stories. That's just fantastic. So thank you again, Tara. To our listeners out there, we're going to have all the links at the bottom of this. Be sure and hit the like and the subscribe button. Send us a comment. We love hearing from you. Please leave us a review too. It, we would be honored. And also share with whoever you think that might be interested in this. And so other people can learn how to pay the price of leadership. Thank you to our tremendous tribe for tuning in. Have a tremendous rest of the day. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.